0: I thought I was going to get a Don Don Corleone or Tony Soprano question in there. (laughs) Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti.
1: All right. good evening ladies and gentlemen, it is quarantine day 12 for me, Uh, self-isolation for a lot of other people, uh, Pierre included, so this is actually our 50th episode and Pierre and I are doing it from remote locations along with a couple of the guests that have joined us today, but first Pep, can you hear me finally? We had some technical difficulties, so hopefully we got everything straightened out. Yeah, I can
2: hear you, Brock. And uh, you know, uh, you know, congratulations on uh, our big five zero. What's that? The golden, the golden anniversary, or what is that?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I should know that, but I'm not at fifty years marriage yet. So, uh, but I think, yeah, golden, maybe. Uh, what? Crystal? What day of the week are we? Uh,
2: Thursday. I have lost all track of everything. Like I, uh, you know, I. <laughs> be this staying inside and not being able to leave. well, I mean being able to leave, but not like staying in your home has been really, really tough. Like, I mean, without sports in my, I don't know about you boys, but without sports in my life, I I'm struggling to stay, uh, entertained, uh, occupied while I'm here. So, you know, in the summertime, there's really not a whole lot on TV. There's usually base, basically just baseball. Um, so you spend most of the other, the rest of your time outside of the cottage, but we can't even do that.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough for everybody and you don't have children. I have kids that, uh, you know, need to be entertained and, uh, stimulated some way as well. So sometimes I, I envy you with being bored and just worrying about, uh, whether or not to put pants on today, but, uh, it's, (laughs) it's a, it's a tough one. And, uh, you know, everybody's starting to, to, I think crave more social interactions. It was, uh, uh, my father's uh, girlfriend, my the Nana Carol's birthday, she would turn 60 on, uh, I'd say the weekend, but it wasn't the weekend. It was a couple days ago. And we drove out to Orleans to sing her happy birthday at the bottom of the laneway. And she came out and she saw the kids and she was, you know, she started crying. And I thought she was, I was going to have to... Like, straight from the bulldog days, like, get back, ma'am. You got to keep your distance. It's six feet. Like, <laughs> get the kids back in the car because she was coming in and she wanted to grab him so bad. And uh, it was just it kind of dawned on me how much um, people are starting to crave social uh, scenari- situations and, like, just a hug from people, you know, that uh, you just can't have these days. And it's, it's, a, it's just kind of a scary time. Hey, uh, I went to visit my mom today. I thought I was visiting her in jail. Like I
2: couldn't even, she was standing behind a patio door. I had to stay about, well, I mean, I didn't have to, but we want, I wanted to stay six feet away from the door. So she opened it just a sliver so I can, we can communicate through the, uh, through the mesh. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, What are we, what kind of time are we living in?
1: It, it, it like you said it's a it's a kind of a scary eerie time but at the same time we need everybody to be on board for this so we can get through it and we're finding uh, I keep seeing messages online and people saying like all these kids are getting together there's a party here there's groups here and if we're not all doing it then it's never going to come uh, we're never going to get past it so if you are listening and you're one of those people that think it's not uh, important or whatever or you got kids that you're like yeah sure go play with your buddies down the street and have a good old time hey just be strict for the next little while so we can get through this finally. Anyway. Yes. Yes. And you know what? I just want to say one thing on this. I don't want it this to be a COVID
2: COVID show. We have two wonderful guests on for our 50th, but let me, let me put it this way. If people don't start taking this seriously, people will die. That's sort of the end game, right? That's the worst case scenario. People will get sick, like horribly sick. It's not comfortable. Even if they survive, it's a really not a fun two weeks. Or however long uh, they struggle from from the virus, but the, the next phase, the next trickle down, is guys like me, unemployed, laid off. You know, so yep. if you don't take it seriously, I'm stuck at home because you guys are, aren't taking it seriously enough, and cases keep going up and up and up in the city. Well, guess what, guys? I'm laid off. So if I drive to see my mom and I see a group of people, it's going to be really hard for me not to shame them publicly on my phone or whatever the case is because they're put they're taking money out of my wallet. You know my salary will suddenly dip to fifty five percent of what I what I usually make. And so if people don't take this seriously, it's it's hurting my wallet. And I, anyway, I, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to make it all about money, but that's the bottom line. That's a fact. You know, so take it seriously. I mean, or, or, or I'll shame you. I will literally publicly find you and shame you on, on the phone. And I, I'm not talking about going for a walk with your partner. I'm talking about having a group of people over having a dinner. This isn't a friggin' vacation.
1: No, you're right. You're 100% correct. And you know, it's not about the money. It's what the money provides. And that is uh, a way of living and you need food, you need water, you need all those things. And if you're without work and without money, then people will die because of not being able to uh, afford the the means they need to to in order to survive. Anyway,
2: yeah. Hey, so, sorry, boys. I, I got all I got all <laughs> uptight there. My blood pressure's high. You know, I don't want to make this about that, but uh, anyway, I just thought I would let throw that out there for our listeners. It affects a guy like me, even, you know.
1: So look, we do have two wonderful guests with us today for the 50th episode. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to do that every time we talk about 50. (laughs) Technically speaking, this isn't going to be the best quality audio, but we're dealing with what we got. And we got two wonderful guests. Mike Pignat is with us. (laughs) And finally, the godfather, (laughs) Matt Potfang, is in our midst as well. (laughs) Finally
0: need a little Sopranos
1: cue. <laughs> <laughs> it should. I feel Welcome, like anything, in
2: Elmer has to, anything in Elmer has to go through Matt putt If there's any decisions, local decisions, they all go through Matt putt Putt-Vein first. If he gets the seal of approval of the old Don Cherry thumbs up, we're good to go.
1: Cool. Well, I think I, I, I tried to FaceTime you, Pierre, and I said, uh, do you have Matt putt approval? And I said, no, that's why it wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Guys, if I may, it's Matt, I just wanted to wish you congrats on uh, 50th, that's quite the milestone, and just to echo some of your comments on the COVID, um, I'm personally dealing with a situation right now that's a little bit, kind of echoes what you guys were saying, because my mother's been in the hospital with, uh, you know, some issues she's dealing with about with cancer, which a lot of people are going through, and it's tough, so it's extremely tough because you can't go see her and she's been released. And today we got a message or a call saying that she was in contact with a nurse who uh. tested for the COVID. So now she's under all sorts of quarantine rules. And it's so, you know, it, like you guys are saying, you know, stick to the rules guys. And, uh, the quicker we do, the quicker we get back to the quality of life, you know, that we, uh, we hope to have that we did before. And, it's It's very serious, so yeah just listen to what uh you guys are saying
1: well, our well thoughts and and prayers go out to your mother, and hopefully uh you know she has caught it early enough, and they can make sure that nothing no more complications come from it. I mean, she's already dealing with enough, she doesn't need to have this on her plate as well, and that's got to be tough from a son's standpoint where you can't you know go in and really see your mother and comfort her by any means um with the whole rules of keeping that distance but um yeah obviously I, our our support for that for sure
0: no for sure thanks guys for sure and not to be uh you know not to be donnie downer you know but just i thought i'd throw that out there because it's uh it's relevant and it's it's to what's going on in the world today so it's just something else to take into consideration you now well I, look if i think if we went across
2: the board um you know a our, all of our parents are uh, are at high risk. Of course, that's a unique situation that you're going through right now. But, you know, if I think about my mom, heart condition, um, probably, you know, high risk if she catches it, really high risk. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. So um, I get it. But our thoughts are with you, buddy. And, you know, if you ever need anything, you can always reach out to both of us. And I'm sure Mike, uh, Mike included. But hang in there, man.
1: Thanks, boys. All right. Um, on a... Let's, let's get to a lighter kind of mood right now. We don't have sports to watch. So we are looking for ways to distract ourselves from the current. And I know Matt is very excited to be on the show tonight because otherwise he would be watching TV. And on TV right now, which is behind me, luckily it's not a video chat, um, the NFL Network is throwing out some old classics. And this is the Bears-Colts Super Bowl um which may or may not have been something he wanted to avoid <laughs> but we're going to be grossman. talking rex grossman at uh, florida gator so there was definitely i i was with you on that one i think um i was hoping he was going to get it um because he's a gator so the gators will always be number one in my books um, and then Israel Adanje was actually, I, I'm watching him play, and he's the guy that um, I was all Canadian with when he was with uh, Manitoba, and I was Ottawa U, so we ended up spending a lot of time together in Toronto for the, uh, the Vanier Cup festivities and all the uh, uh, dinners we had to go to. Uh, super nice guy, so I followed his career pretty closely, but he was with the Bears at that point too, so um, I was definitely on the Bears bandwagon for that game, so um, not to your level, but I was disappointed. Yeah,
0: it was a it was a tough one, you know, because they hadn't been in so long. But uh, I, you know, going into that game, and not not to go on that too much, but just going into that game, I you know, I had a, I had a bad feeling, you know, especially with the weather and Rex. Rex always had those small hands, you know, so it was uh, <laughs> it just just looking in the cards. You know, it started off well with Devin Hester. He, he returned it to the house, but uh, they they just couldn 't
1: uh, break through it definitely wasn't a classic no, no all right, so we are going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of sports, the four major sports is the topic we 're going with today, so each one of us has gone through it and we've made our own choices as to who we think should be the face of each sport um, so I think if we can get right into it in, F- in um the, the thought of keeping our, our episodes to a uh, manageable time frame. Um, is there a sport anybody wants to start with? Pep, why don't you pick it?
2: Well, let's start with uh, what <clears throat> I found to be the hardest, is, which is baseball. Okay. And uh, I, I found out of, out of the, the three, out of the four major sports, I found this one the the hardest to find. Because to- I kept going back and forth with which one's like my favorite player versus a player that represents... 150 years of baseball, like really it was really, really hard to choose. So why don't we start with that? And, uh, you know, we have two guys, two baseball guys really yeah. with us now. So why don't we start with Mike, Mike, who is your Mount Rushmore, uh, the representative for 150 years of MLB or I'm, I'm, I'm by the way, I'm throwing that number out. It might be longer, it might be shorter, but MLB has been around for probably the longest sport if I'm not mistaken. Right. Matt Budman, could you confirm that? Yes. Yeah, it has. Okay, perfect. So, Mike, who's your <laughs> Mount Rushmore for baseball?
3: Uh, so my baseball pick is is uh, also my George Washington position on <laughs> on on Mount Rushmore. So really? he gets prime, so he gets no he gets prime location because I don't want you know the, the Teddy Roosevelt like where you're just facing Abraham Lincoln kind of thing. So wow. he gets prime location. Yeah, yeah I've thought this out. Before. Yeah, you have. And, All right. Uh, <laughs> My pick is uh Babe Ruth. Uh he could hit home runs, he could steal bases early in his career, and he used to pitch every fifth day. He used to pitch. He he was uh when he came up he was a pitcher. Pitching yeah, power. Yeah. But uh yeah, and uh effective, very effective. He got and a twenty game winner whole season, yep. Yeah. So well, yeah a, he, he's a guy that played, you know, uh, two sort of vital positions, batting fourth and, and pitching every fifth day when he came up again, when he was younger.
2: I mean, that that would be, that would be hard to argue against. Uh, my only devil's advocate for Babe Ruth is that I just wasn't alive to see him. You know, I just saw footage and it was usually black and white and awful. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, the number 61 home runs, that stood the test of time for years. Um, yeah. well, Hey, that's a good choice
1: all right Babe Ruth is in the books under Mike Matty do you have somebody different
0: yeah so I went a little different um, with this and I, I mean I think Mike's pick is awesome because you, you can't really argue against it you know I mean, he is the guy who transcended baseball really he brought it into I think at the time I think Babe Ruth hit like 60 homers and when he did that I think he might have had, he might have beaten like four different rosters at that time, like himself. So it was, it was unheard of, you know, the the league leaders at that time had something like eight home runs a year. So Babe Ruth came along and he just, I mean, I don't think we'll ever see that kind of meteoric rise again in any sport where he just, you know, he, I mean, guys were putting up you know, let's take 10 homers max, well, he's hitting 60. So that, I mean, that's just unheard of.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I on I pins and, and needles like, to know who your guy is now. So my guy, what I did, you know, if I had to, because I
0: think pitchers and hitters are so different. So I, I, I cheated a little with this. I went with one of each just All because, right. you know, so with pitchers, I went with a guy that I saw and I think he had the greatest four, your four or five year run in MLB history. And uh, that was none other than Pedro Martinez is uh, his, his last year with the Expos going into his years with the Red Sox. Um, he, he had a league ERA. I think one year in 99, he had an ERA. It was about, I think it was two zero eight or one nine two, somewhere around there. And the rest of the league, the league average, I believe was 4.12, like the team, the league ERA. So he was just, you know, he was doing this in the prime of the steroid era. So to put up those numbers, is just ridiculous. So I think he was kind of like a, when he was at his best, he was the best, you know? So I went with him as pitcher and for hitters, I went with Ricky Henderson. (laughs) Oh, Ricky Henderson. Okay. Ricky Henderson. You know, he, he was a guy who hit 30 homers. He won a batting title, won Gold Gloves. He's got stolen base records that'll never ever be touched. I just thought he was the ultimate offensive weapon. I think if you were to start a team and you had this guy leading off every every game for 162, and that's another thing, you go back and take a look at Ricky's records as far as games played. Like he didn't miss too many games. He wasn't a guy who was taken. You know, a, a day off. Let alone double headers and play back-to-back double double headers. So he was just, he, he was just a different breed. And he, he looked like an NFL cornerback. You know, I mean, he played until he was forty-five, forty-six. He was just uh, insane shape. And I went with Ricky, the ultimate weapon at leadoff. Wow.
2: Uh, you know, Ricky Henderson, when he, uh, he had a, that cup of coffee with the Jays for a couple of years, but he was a big part of that one world series that they won. He had a big, big hit, I believe it against the A's that they just, they televised that game a couple of nights ago. Um, but yeah, you're right. He was built like a brick house, big, strong legs, uh, that high leg kick and uh, can hit the ball, catch run. And of course uh, we all, we all know he's the, uh, the best uh, base fielder of all time.
0: Cause he told us he told us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think Ricky deserves an extra vote just because he's the only guy I've ever seen who constantly referred to himself in the third person. Ricky, Ricky would approve.
2: <laughs> wow. That's a good call. I, that didn't even ca- cross my mind. But when you, when you, uh, when you explain it like that, you know, that five tool player, or I know they use that term right now. That's a, that's a pretty good choice. Um, Brock, who do you got i mean you're a baseball guy too you play you play baseball right still
1: uh no i don't play baseball anymore i did for a while i got more injuries from baseball than i have in 27 years of playing football and every other sport because you warm up for 45 minutes or whatever it is before the game and then you stand around for another hour and a half before you <laughs> got to move and everything's seized up and you're just too old for that when the time you get in there anyway baseball broke me it was fun but uh, no uh man is, am I the only one who listens to some of these rationale and say, oh, maybe I should change who I got? Yeah,
2: I'm now I'm reconsidering my whole everything. Like, yes.
1: So, Babe Ruth stuck out to me, obviously. Some of my criteria when it comes to picking who this is, because the way you would describe it, Pierre, you wanted you know somebody that, that transcends the sport, past and present. So, it's got to be somebody who people know and have known for a while, I guess, or If it's an older player like a Babe Ruth, somebody our age who's never seen him play knows who Babe Ruth is, and he's still considered to be uh, legendary. this was probably one of the hardest categories for me as well, because I'm I'm looking like Ricky Henderson is one of my favorite players of all time uh, in baseball when I was growing up. I was just watching the Jays Oakland series, t- walking my boy through the scenario and what was going on and what I was doing as a 14 year old watching that series. And I'm like, there's Ricky Henderson. was one of my favorite players. I was watching him, this and that. You know, Ken Griffey Jr. is another guy that kind of comes in there. Um, but I'm in the same situation as Maddie was in terms of the hitters and pitchers being kind of two separate, uh, entities. So, you know, I had a guy like, like Cal Ripken Jr. was the guy that I thought could be on Mount Rushmore. His longevity, his, um, the way he conducted himself, his, um, professionalism, but his also, his, the record of playing 3000, I don't even have in front of me, whatever games in a row, um, will never be touched in today's day and age. Um, So he was my choice, I guess, ultimately. But there was other guys, Nolan Ryan, all those guys that, um, you know, I thought could have a piece of this, but they played different positions. um, And it was really hard to give just a pitcher that, um, that prestige because they only, you know, played it once every five days or whatever. But anyway, ultimately, Cal Ripken Jr. was my choice for the baseball one.
2: You know what I? I read that somebody wrote that on the on our page, and I thought that's a good choice actually, because he was a classy guy too. You know, I don't like the Baltimore Orioles. I don't actually don't really like any of the teams in the AL East except the Jays. Uh, the Sox would be a sort of a close second, but um, when I thought of the Orioles in the in the eighties and uh, and nineties, it's Cal Ripken. He represented a, a, a team, a city, really. Um, my choice. <laughs> so when I thought about this this whole idea of the Mount Rushmore. Uh, I heard it from Ian Mendez by the way. He I, I we did not come up with this. This was something that Ian Mendez talked about on SportsNet. But when I think about the a player on Mount Rushmore, it's like I close my eyes and the first face and name that comes to mind is is who I would see representing a whole a whole league, a whole generation. And for me it's 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 Pete Rose and the good and the bad. Like you know, obviously the bad, <laughs> I think it's a travesty that he's, that he hasn't been inducted into the hall of fame, but I think about Pete Rose, the player and the images and him running the bases and running over that catcher in an all-star game and the, the, the hits record. And it's just untouchable. And, you know, I don't know what he did off the field, but I know what we see on the field or what we saw. And, you know, he, I, I just think of baseball. I think of Pete Rose and again, for good and bad, like it's, it, 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 when I think about Mount Rushmore, it's got to be his face that represents baseball for me. And there was a lot of other guys. I thought of Reggie Jackson, um, you know, Ted Williams, uh, Lou Gehrig uh, came to mind just because of the speech. And, you know, when he when he was retiring, the, that sad moment. But the, for me, it's it, for me, it's Pete Rose. I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: It's uh, interesting. Can it's you team. have uh, somebody who's not in the Hall of Fame be on Mount Rushmore? I guess. All right.
0: I mean, I think so. I mean, to to that extent, you know, you could you could probably have Barry Bonds on there. You know, he's, he'll probably never get in the hall of fame, but I mean, Barry Bonds is probably one of the best, maybe the best baseball player we've ever seen in the modern era. But, you know, and that was before the steroids, you know? So I think Pete Rose is a great choice. You know, he is like Pep said, he was so much of a dialect in the eighties, you know, like for, for the bad, And the good, and in the 70s, and you know, just for the nickname Charlie Hustle, you hear it all the time. And I mean, he was Charlie Hustle. He played a long time, eh? He had a long career. Played a long time, you know, and he, but he was, every team he played on, I think he played with the Phillies, they went to the World Series, uh, played with the Big Red Machine, they were a powerhouse. Uh, You know, everywhere he went, they won, they did, you know, so it's hard to pick against that. And the same with Ripken. Ripkin is such a great ambassador of the game. So.
1: Let me get, ask you guys, uh, cause Ripken was who I ended up going with, but is Mike Trout too young to be on that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He's he's pretty special. Like you look at this guy's numbers. So he was my initial one. I just, I literally shied away because I was like, he's too young to be considered it. But you know, when you're looking at through the first 1,000 games, I mean, he's won how many MVP awards already. He's, uh, you know, uh, Pete Rose is the all-time hit leader for the first 1,000 games with 1,231, but Trout's at 1,126. Um He's got uh, more home runs than Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had 172. He's got 224 uh, runs. Ricky Henderson at 795. Ricky Henderson, we know, like you just said, Ricky Henderson is on that board for you. And Ricky Henderson is 795, and Trout has 754. You know, based on balls, he he's beating Barry Bonds by you know 35. Like he's statistically first or second almost in every category for these first thousand games, whatever he's played. And he's, I guess the the downside is that he's young, but then it's also he's still young and he's still got so much more to do. He like, he hasn't really even hit his prime. I'd say yet. Oh, I, I think I he's personally, got a to, sorry, Pup, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead, mate.
0: I, I was just going to say, I think when all said and done, I mean, if he keeps it up he he's got a chance to be known as, as the greatest player ever. I mean, he's, and that's, you know, it's just like Brock said, the numbers, I mean, every year, and that's rare in baseball where you have a guy kind of like LeBron James in basketball, where every year he could, he could win the MVP. Like there's a case every year that trout could be the MVP.
2: Hmm. But my concern with trout and this is a tough year for them to to delay the season because the angels actually look pretty good. You know, for the last few years, it's been trout and nobody, like he's, you know, Albert Pujols is well past his prime. Nobody on that roster. But this year they picked up uh, Rendon from uh, from Washington, who had an amazing uh, World Series. Uh, well, actually, the whole playoffs, he was awesome. He's a great hitter. They actually have some pieces, and that pitcher, the the guy that pitches and hits, uh, Otani. Because yeah, yeah, he's back, he's healthy. So this this whole uh, layoff and delay is really going to hurt them. But my concern with him is that um, this was the year I really wanted to see how they did uh, with him as their superstar. Because the last few years, you know, he's commanding so much money they couldn't afford to buy anybody else. And it kind of reminded me of A Rod when he was with the Mariners. Like you know, A Rod was the was the man. They couldn't really afford to to surround him with superstars because he was getting all the moolah. So. You know, it, it's a, it's such a hard balance this in this day and age of pro sports and baseball specifically, cause these guys make so much money that, you know, how do you piece together a superstar team around a, an all world player when you only have so much money? So I wanted to see him this year and how he, how he did with better players around him And if they could actually win, because winning is also a factor for me when I was choosing a, the best player in the world and they
1: haven't done anything. They haven't won. Yeah. No. Well, that's different too. Like, we weren't. It wasn't necessarily to be the best player in the world. It wasn't the best player to ever play these sports to the be on necessarily. Like, that's that's obviously debatable and subjective to a point because these sports have so many different stats. So it's not that you know you're never gonna have one guy who's just the considered the best player. At least not in my book. So I, I wasn't using that as necessarily the criteria for. Um, or the sole criteria for why we're putting that on there, because then there's no debate. You're just trying to go with, you know, statistically what somebody comes up with. Anyway, uh, well, Mike, you got what's d- that?
3: I was going to say, don't use that as your segue into the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting to basketball well, right after this why don't we, we're going to take
2: a quick break uh, and then get back to why don't, we, why don't we do basketball when we come back? But I do want to name off uh, We we posted this question on our, on our Facebook page and asked people to submit their Mount Rushmore. And uh, I won't name off all four um, of the athletes that they chose, but I will name off the, the baseball, um, the baseball person that they chose. So Jay Tizik chose Cal Ripken jr. Uh, which we've already discussed. Uh, Hugh Doyle uh, had written Ken Griffey jr. I didn't, you know, Griffey was, Griffey was great, man. He's underrated. I, you know, that's a good choice. Again, Alex Scantlebury. He chose uh, Ken Griffey Jr. A lot of Ken Griffey juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Mike Gatto, Babe Ruth. So again, you know, we uh, everyone seems to have the sim- similar Derek Jeter got a few votes. Joe Witten um, chose Der- Derek Jeter. Uh, yeah, it's... Dustin Rutka. Let's see. What did Rutka put down here? Uh, he has Kelly Gruber. So <laughs> he kind of dropped, dropped the ball with the baseball <laughs> error. Uh, uh Cedric uh, Rumble, uh, Brock, I don't know who that is, but he's a constant contributor. He chose uh, Griffey and Jeter. He couldn't decide. Terry Gunn, my man Terry Gunn, should, he picked Lou Gehrig, which, you know, again, Lou Gehrig, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease. He, he retired that whole speech. Um, another Babe Ruth by Ken Tripp. Uh, Babe Ruth again, Alex Belil. Yeah, so I you know a lot of these guys pick uh, Ted Williams, Drew Pepper chose Ted Williams, Trevor Boyd, Babe Ruth, and James Kelly, Babe Ruth. So again, uh, good job, fellas, on the baseball. So why don't we take a quick break, Brock, and when we come back, we'll do uh, our NBA Mount Rushmore. NBA.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, three.
2: And we are back. We're talking Mount Rushmore of pro sports, one individual to represent a generation. Um, again, the criteria could be anything could be, you know, what you think is the best player, the best representative, a combination of the two. So we've just gone over baseball, which I found to be the hardest, but this was, this next one was personally the easiest for me. Uh, We're going to talk NBA and the Mount Rushmore of the NBA. The NBA is not as old as the MLB, uh, but it's certain age, and we're, we're seeing a new generation of talent, a new style of play. So this one baseball style of play has been very, I I don't want to say similar. There's a lot of home runs now in baseball, more than there ever been, but it's still pitcher and hitter, but the NBA game has changed a lot over the last decade. Uh, they've gone from, you know, three point shooters, you know, uh, uh, sorry, big men to three point shooting is what we see now. Right. The analytics. So keeping all that in mind, I'm going to start with Mike, Mike, who did you choose to be on your Mount Rushmore for the NBA?
3: Uh, for NBA, I have, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, strictly because I, I think he, uh, when anybody thinks basketball, they, they immediately think of him, uh, He dominated when he played uh, both ends of the court. Uh, He could shoot, he could, he could defend. uh, And, and it's uh, above all was his competitive nature. The guy hated to lose. uh, And uh, if you beat him in a, you know, the, the first quarter uh, he would get you back. Uh, He would win the overall battle. So yeah, I'm a Jordan guy.
2: Well, that's, I think we're going to see a common theme here, but I'm again, uh, Maddie P I know I'm curious about Maddie P because Matty P is a diehard Celtics fan. And, uh, the Celtics have generations of all-star all world players, uh, you know, talents who changed the game. So this one, I, this must've been hard for you, Maddie. Yeah,
0: this one was tough, you know, especially like, I mean, you know, with Russell, you know, having 11 championships um, and being, you know, being the only guy ever to be able to probably, I don't want to say shut down Will Chamberlain, but, you know, he was able to to beat Chamberlain every time. Um, and also, but I like to go with guys that I saw. So my, the one that I had the toughest with was actually Larry Bird. And the reason I had a tough time... Not picking Bird was because Bird and Magic were a whole part of saving the NBA. Um, and you guys probably all know this, but, you know, the NBA was in dire straits in the the 70s, you know. There was a lack of, you know, there weren't a lot of big-name players. There were a lot of guys who had been busted for for drugs, and they, they really had a bad image. Arenas weren't sold out, and you had the ABA, the NBA, and then the merger. And it was just a, a really they weren't really sure their future games were on tape delay. Um, so bird and magic, you know, brought things to the forefront. And and one thing about bird like that, I really wanted to pick bird. I mean, I'm going, I think we know where I'm going, but the reason I wanted to pick bird was because when you look at his stats, as far as points, assists, rebounds, you know, typically guys that get that number to over, I think it's 45, and you look, and there's not many of them, you know, and he's there. like He's right there with those guys, the best players of all time. Um, so I wanted to go bird, but I'm going Jordan just because, I mean, to me, Jordan was the perfect player. I, the guy was, you know, like Mike said, he just, he just did it. He got it done. Um, defensively, he was so competitive. Offensively, he just, I mean, he was at another level. Especially with the hand check. You know, the hand check was big when Jordan was playing. You know, how many more points would Jordan have scored had there been no hand check? You know, and there's some yeah. tough defenses he went through, like the bad boy Pistons. You know, he got beat up by the Pistons for a long time before they, they broke through the Pistons. And I think that helped make him the player he was. You know, he also had to battle against, you know, Magic and Bird when he was a rookie. So he really, you know, he really learned a lot. You know, and Jordan was, he learned also how to defer to to Pippen at times. And he just, he became to me the perfect player. So I got
2: to go Jordan. Do you think if he doesn't retire in between the, the, uh, the three Pete's, do you think Houston wins those two championships? If Jordan stayed, never retired, never took a break. Do you think Houston wins those two championships?
0: I don't think so. I, you know, maybe, but I don't know. I'm Jordan. Jordan was just at another level. He, he, he just kind of willed his teams to victory. And I, I don't know how they would have got by him. Jordan for me at, at his peak was the, after that third
2: championship when they beat Phoenix and then he retired that he was on a completely other planet. I've never, that was like the best basketball you could possibly see a human being play on every, and every level rebounding steals, assists, Scoring, I mean, Steve Kerr hit the game-winning shot thanks to one of his assists. Like people forget that he yeah. saw the court. Like he was next. That was the pinnacle of his career. Was that? I mean, and then, and then he won three more <laughs> after taking two years off. So that's a, it's a great choice, Matt uh, Brock. Uh, you know, <laughs> Brock. Brock's had this debate. We, I mean, he's debated with me. I think he's debated with other people who chose choose Jordan. Uh, Brock, you're always sort of the LeBron Jordan you mm-hmm. this to lebron i'm curious to know if lebron is the guy you're actually choosing for this or if there's a player that you think represents the entire nba that isn't one of those two guys
1: (sighs) no my uh i get the arguments i do i mean mj you know was a phenomenal player i think his relevancy now stems a lot to do with his brand uh, and not so much about the person or as much about the person um, obviously I'm choosing LeBron and the reason for that is this I've always found LeBron made the people around him better like Mike had that I will not argue his competitive nature I absolutely love hearing the stories of um, um, um Jay, uh, Garnett talking about uh, when he was younger and he was on the court and he, he talked smack to Jordan or whatever and then kind of went off and he's like okay I'll never talk to him again all those stories and that stuff I appreciate that that's the killer instinct and that's what MJ brought um, you know, I was never a Jordan fan. Obviously, I was, uh, you know, you brought up the them beating Phoenix. Well, I was hard on the Phoenix. I was wearing my Charles Barkley Phoenix purple blazing sun jersey crying at the end of that friggin' series. Probably wasn't crying, but I was just pissed off. Um, but anyway, from a LeBron standpoint, again, my argument is obviously he's right up there in terms of, you know, points, assists. Um, you know he's behind him in points per game field goal percentage is one spot lower Um, but LeBron comes from a place where uh, he never played college basketball he's never been coached by anybody with any sort of pedigree really uh, Riley aside I guess and that was maybe for a year tops Um, you know I always found that he still won wherever he went he won with a lot less than what jordan had if i'm comparing jordan and lebron um but i also thought that it was important to bring sort of like his off field off court stuff um you know he's he's done so much um with what he's been empowered to to do that really it's kind of been unmatched um but i've also that whole decision thing as much as people um kind of shit on them for this whole, you know, I'm moving my talents to South Beach and stuff. And I get it. It was cheesy. It was whatever. But I also found that that moment <clears throat> was kind of the the shift of really empowering or giving the, the athletes themselves a, a more power in this business as opposed to being owner and player sort of relationship. And I think from that decision, we've seen a lot of things in the NBA change in terms of how players... um look at their next contract, where they're going to be playing, how they want it structured, who they want to play with. They control a lot more of that than what was before LeBron in that decision. So I thought that was a very important thing. It's, you know, if you're talking from a player standpoint, having those, um, the ability to uh, dictate a bit more of your career is obviously something that every athlete would love to have. And I think LeBron brings that to them regardless of their their status. Um I also think LeBron is probably the most athletic basketball player that I've ever seen in terms of sheer. Uh, Shaq is actually right out there too for me, but LeBron James's sheer stature, height, weight, uh, body composition, and then the stuff he does with that huge frame. I would have loved to have seen LeBron James <clears throat> try and guard Mike Jordan back in Mike Jordan's era where, uh, you know, defenses could be. More physical with the offensive player, and see you know how he would how he would have done in that that situation. I think LeBron's defense people talk about that, but the game has changed since the MJ era. Uh, again, I'm going off a little bit. LeBron James is my choice, but those are a little bit of why I, I chose him.
2: Oh, and nobody would debate that choice. I mean, uh, you're, you'll get people who are who are sort of they get really nitpicky when it comes to LeBron James, but you know my biggest. Uh, the biggest determining factor between those two players specifically, because those are the two guys that come to my mind. Will Chamberlain, I mean, he averaged 50 points uh, for an entire season one year. So he'd be an easy pick for guys who were living in that area. But again, we're talking about the uh, I'm, I'm factoring in the competition. There's more teams, more players, a little bit harder to get to the finals, Um, things like that kind of factor into my decision. Um, Like Maddie said, the NBA was on absolute life support in 1979 before they and magic were drafted in together. It was on life support and uh, they saved the NBA. But again, neither of those guys are are guys I chose. Um, What differentiates Jordan and, and LeBron for me, I totally agree with you, Brock. He had no coaching. He went right, right from high school to the NBA and and it showed like he played on sheer athleticism for the first five years of his career even to this day, you know, little concepts like help defense or where he should be standing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, you don't see it. Like you, this, he kind of gets lost and it looks like he's being lazy, but I, I just don't think, I mean, he's, he's ran the show wherever he's gone. I mean, you, if you're David Blaine or whatever, the guy that was coaching me, Cleveland, are you going to sit and say, <laughs> Hey, LeBron, you, LeBron, you gotta, you gotta move your feet. LeBron's going to be like, yeah, move, move your, uh, move your house. You're moving. I'm, you're getting fired. Like, so, uh, comparing the two, I think on the defensive end is where they really separate. MJ was all, all defensive. I think he won Defensive Player of the Year one year, and he took he took pride in playing defense. Not to say that uh, LeBron doesn't, but for me, MJ changed the NBA, the whole landscape of the NBA. How how kids dress, how the like, even from a fashion standpoint, the shorts got a little bit longer when MJ came into town. Uh, the wristband, the shoes, like you said, the brand. Uh, the brand still lives today. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane, you know, but his talent on the court, being able to go left, right, shoot, left, shoot, right. I mean, he scored all his points inside the three point line. (laughs) That's it's to average 29 points a game without having to shoot threes. Now, imagine how many points would Steph Curry have? If, if uh, most of his shots were, were two point shots, like it's insanity. So I factor in, you know, the style of play, the era, Uh, like Maddie said, it was very, very physical. I mean, he had to, he lost to the Pistons for a couple of years before he finally got over the hump. Did he have a better supporting cast? You brought, you brought that up, Brock? I mean, Pippen and Pippen was uh, when they, when the NBA uh, released the the top 50 players of all time, Pippen was on that list, but the rest of the guys were, were, I mean, they're, they were awful. Like Judd Bushler, uh, you know, I I don't know. Luke Longley, Will Perdue, he had nothing. But then again, LeBron had zero in Cleveland. Like, what are we talking about here?
1: LeBron had – I can't even name a guy. Zydrunas Logoskis his first five years?
0: Even if they were, like,
1: like, like, not great, if you keep those guys together for a few years, you know what I mean? Like, anyway, I just – continue. I just think that playing together for a while is also, you know, regardless of your ability, that brings – Oh yeah. You know, a team and, and some uh, s- synchronizing to your offense and defense and and you know that uh, the whole scheme together. If you have a chance to play together longer, and I think you know being in a familiar spot. I mean, what did Jordan do when he went to the Wizards? Like nothing, but you know what I mean. Oh yes, I, I'm with you. I'm with you there. But he
2: had Doug Collins for the first seven years of his career. Then Phil Jackson came along and uh, implemented the triangle and they didn't win the first year with Phil, but they started, they won the second year. And then obviously the rest is history, but he retired, came back won three more retired again, came back with the wizards. Couldn't dunk as, as well as he could, but he still had a couple of 50 point games and his last year with the wizards, he actually looked pretty good. So, but he, obviously they didn't win. I think they only won 34, or 35 games his last year. So uh, I'm with you there, but for me it has to be Jordan and uh, only because he was a, a beautiful, just a beautiful player to watch, um, dribble, drive, obviously the dunks, the, he, he made the dunk fashionable, you know, the, before he came in the league, there was nobody that played above the rim, Dr. J, but Dr. J couldn't go left. Dr. J was all right-handed. So, uh, anyway, what a gr- I, basketball gives me goosebumps. There's so many great <laughs> players. I mean, I could, I could have chosen bird. I could have chosen, uh, Bill Russell, like, you know, you know, your favorite player, cut magic. the magic (laughs) magic makes me cry man hey listen jordan beat magic for his first title and i I can't even talk about it because they won game one lakers went into chicago and won game one and then worthy and scott got hurt and that was it but uh uh, i can't even talk about it
1: well also for our listeners david blaine is the magician not the coach so uh (laughs) i'm thinking of out of maddie do you know who the guy he's thinking of who are you looking for? Uh, no, I know it's David
0: something. I was trying to think when Trump was talking, but I know I can picture him. But yeah, as soon as he said David Blaine, I remembered the street magic.
1: But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and David. We we'll look him up and we we'll go to break. Is it David, David Black. Blatt.
2: That's it, David Blatt. That's it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's an appropriate last name. But yeah. Uh, that's that actually uh, when you were going through the whole LeBron MJ debate, I thought you were going to say, ultimately I choose Nick Van Exel. Anyway. Okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take oh, a let's, break.
2: Why don't we, oh, we'll go for break. But before we go to break, I'll just kind of yeah. quickly. I, well, I don't even really quickly to everybody's everybody's got Jordan on here. Literally everybody has Jordan, uh, MJ, MJ, Jordan, MJ, MJ. No surprise. No surprise. Oh, Jordan. Yeah. This
1: is, <sighs>
2: all right, then nothing. New. It's all Jordan. So, uh, why don't we go to break Brock? Why don't you take us to break? And when we come back, we'll do, who? we'll do what there's uh, NFL
1: left and hockey. All right. One of these two, we'll be right back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, so we have discussed Major League Baseball. We have discussed NBA. We have realized that apparently I'm wrong compared to everybody else. We are moving on to the National Hockey League. This is one that may not require as much debate, and obviously the NBA one shouldn't have debated at all if I had chosen MJ. We would have been done that in 25 seconds, so I apologize. Uh... I
0: like sticking to your guns It's good, bro.
1: (laughs) All right, NHL. (laughs) Who wants to start? Maddie? how about you start us off with uh, who you got for the NHL, the National Hockey League? So
0: mine's not going to be probably the most popular. um, I I didn't go with Wayner. I went with uh, the Magnificent one. I went with Mario. Um, Okay. For growing up, I mean, every time I watched Mario, it seemed to me that he moved at a different level. Um, I remember watching him at a game at my parents' place growing up in the 90s and – I think Troy Saint-Louis was there. It was Troy Saint-Louis, me, my brother and my dad and they're all watching Mario and it was a game against the avalanche and, and the final score was something like seven, six or eight to seven. And I think Mario finished with like five, two goals, five assists or five goals, two assists. And like Sakic had a great game Forsberg, Everyone, you know, it was just an unbelievable game. I think it was probably 96 maybe. And I remember Mario just to me, he always looked like he was in the matrix, you know, players were rushing, trying to get to the pocket. Mario just seemed like he was gliding along and he could just play at a different level. And had he not got cancer, it's, uh, it would have been amazing to see how many more points he would have got, you know, and what more he could have done in his career and to, to put the numbers up that he did, you know, with the health issues that he had, uh, he was, he was my pick.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's not something people can argue. Mario had some wasn't his first shot a goal. Yeah, I think it was. Wasn't it? I, I thought, thought it was, was like his career? A, yeah, wasn't it yeah, uh it was first shift, yeah. The, yeah, the first shift, first shot or whatever on the I think it was the Minnesota North Stars. Was that historic where he kind of made that deke and hit hit his butt? But anyway, um Mario, yeah, was nobody can argue that. Uh, Pep, why don't you take us to who your pick is?
2: Well, like you said earlier, but you know, hearing other guys say their, their pick makes me rethink mine, but you know, cause I remember Mario, I, I think it was a game where he was like this first game back. I don't know. I can't remember who he was playing, but think like, he had his first game back from treatment for Hodgkins. He came back and scored two goals. And I just thought, who, do, who does that? Who can do that? Like the treatment is so it's debilitating. It's, it drains you. And he came back relatively quickly. And the first game back was in Pittsburgh and they televised it and he scored two goals. And I think Bob Cole was doing the, doing the game. And I just like, I was like, this guy's on another level. And he was really the first big guy with speed and hands. Like, you know, big, E was uh, like a monster, but he didn't have the hands that Mario had. So good pick Maddie. Uh, I got, I got to go Wayner only because like he was so dominant, right? And I just saw this stat a couple nights ago on the, on the score that he had. Wainer had two hundred points in four seasons. Two hundred points in the NHL. Like that's hard to do in the minors. So you know, the, the, he's Wainer's got uh, stats that no one will ever touch you know, even in today's like Ovechkin is like a monster, but I don't know if Ovechkin's going to be able to touch Wainer's all his points total. Like, I don't think that's ever going to get touched in today, yeah. especially in today's NHL where it's so constricting on the ice. So I'm going to go with Wainer also because he was so dominant in the 80s and, you know, watching, uh, watching them win all those cups and, you know, yes, they were loaded team, but I mean, Hey, he was, he had eyes in the back of his head. Like, you know, we talk about what the players wear and was it easier to score back then? I mean, yeah. I Kelly Rudy looked like he was wearing nothing basically uh, the other night on TV when they were replaying the Kings and Leafs, but
0: oof, I mean, I got to go Wiener. Yeah. I mean, Wiener too, 92, Ninety-two, ninety-two goals. Like, I mean, Ninety-two goals. Wow. Guys have a hard time getting ninety-two points. And then was awesome. <laughs> 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 and Crazy. It's, it's just unheard of.
1: Yeah, that's I'll a good jump choice. in,
3: boys. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, I, I and I'll jump in now because I agree with uh, Pep. It, uh, the way I looked at it too was like it, it, one thing is the player, and then the other thing is the recognizability. And, uh, when you think again, NHL, you, you, you visualize Wayne Gretzky, uh, the division on the ice, uh, anytime he stepped on the ice, uh, he, he sort of took notice kind of thing. Uh, and again, dominated when he played Uh best player by far of his era. Uh, his teams were, were unstoppable and, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, like I say, uh, Pep, uh, 200 points in a season. Uh, you, you, you just won't see that again, I don't think. Four times. You're right, exactly. And that Joe Fa helmet, you
2: know? Oh, God, that Joe Fa helmet. <laughs> Maddie, we had somebody on uh, on the Facebook page pick Lemieux too. Joe Winton, he picked Lemieux. Uh, boy, Joe. He, Big Joe, he writes My dream came true when I hooked a ball onto a fairway in Trombla and he said, Good morning. <laughs> so I guess I'm, guess I'm guessing he hooked the ball into where he was where Lemieux was sitting. I can't really understand that story, but Joe Joe picked uh, Lemieux too. So Brock there is that just sees you pal. All
1: right. So um I'm going to give you my pick and then we're going to go to break, and then when we come back, you're going to give everybody else's pick because I got a submission on a voicemail from a gentleman who has his own podcast, has his own uh, NHL uh, Facebook group who has submitted his pick as well. And actually, it's a little bit different because he submitted for Mount Rushmore for just hockey, so four Faces for the Hockey, and I think it's kind of interesting. I want you guys to hear it. But my pick it's very again listening to Matty at the time. I thought that Mario didn't have enough games again for longevity uh, to put him there. But with Matt's argument, I, it's hard to to go away from him. But ultimately, I I did choose Gretzky. Um, just sheer the fact of his records, uh, where he stands, the fact that he is still. Um, Widely, if you say Gretzky, everybody knows who Gretzky is, regardless of if it's my nine year old son or uh, you know, a 70 year old man, we all know who Gretzky is, and he's, he's hockey, so I, I, we have to go with Gretzky. Um, as much as the debate of different eras and playing style and whatnot, hockey is probably one of the biggest differentials. From those eras, when you see, when I'm watching the 93 Stanley Cup uh final, uh conference final between the Leafs and the Kings, and I'm watching Kelly Rudy wear leg pads that are no bigger than current shin pads right now, and then watching Gretzky's highlights where he's coming down the right wing and he's blasting a, a puck from the blue line and the goalie literally stands there and has no idea what to do, Um I just figure... How would that transcend in today's sort of era uh but ultimately, I think Gretzky still has to be on that uh, Mount Rushmore
0: yeah and then another point too about eras that I just wanted to throw in because I think it's I think it's relevant to this discussion and to all sports is I think that the best players like you know the Gretzkys, or let's say Bill Russell will Chamberlain from their eras or you know, baseball's a little different because baseball, you know, they still threw whatever it was, ninety. the best pitchers threw 98 miles an hour. You know, there weren't many of them, but they, they still, the best ones did. But I think the best players of any era would have found a way to be right up there in this era as well because they would have had the same conditioning, the same equipment. You know, they would have found a way to make it work. They're that talented. So I think the greats of any era would have been great in any era.
1: That's a, that's a very... Good point of view, actually.
2: I was just about to say that something very, very similar. Like, yeah, like Gretzky would have figured out in this day and age because he would have had the same conditioning at the guy that the guys had. But I mean, hands and vision, he still had it. So, and you throw in you, you throw in whatever composite sticks they use now, and better skates, and conditioning, and all that. you would have been just as good. Uh, Two hundred points a year, good. I don't know, but I'm with Maddie on that
1: one. Yeah, I think that's probably my biggest argument is. If you have – you can have all that equipment, the the spaces you're getting the puck into are a lot smaller and the goalies are so much more athletic that I just think that last line of defense is going to change. But I agree, you know, maybe Gretzky can put 30 pounds on and be, you know, a a guy who can survive in today's NHL. Who knows? Um, The curls are are for decades. They're for years. So he's got that going for him. The flow is there. (laughs) Um, Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. Pep, you're going to give us the – the, the rundown of who chose what on, on the Facebook page in terms of the NHL, and I'm going to play this clip for you guys.
3: <laughs>
1: okay, so we have told you who our NHL, Mount Rushmore busts will be. That's what you call it, a bust of a head, right? Um... Pep, you want to give us a rundown of who submitted their choices on the uh, Facebook poll today?
2: Yeah, you know, again, the, especially for that last category, it's it. apart from Joe Winton who chose Mario Lemieux, it's all Gretzky, you know, and uh, Jay Tizik, Hugh Doyle, Alex Scantlebury, Justin Rutka, Terry Gunn, you know, every Mike Gatta, Cedric Rumble, that, uh, the, the names I'm naming off all chose Gretzky, Ken Tripp. All Gretzky, yeah. All Gretzky, Uh, Drew Pepper, Trevor Boyd, James Kelly, Dave Barbier. All Gretzky, and uh, you know, and it's it's hard to not choose Gretzky. Just be, you know, when Gretzky got traded, even to the Kings, and the whole that trade and the drama with Peter Ponkington, and uh, you know, there was he just the whole country mourned like he died, but he was just traded to another team. It was it was uh, it was insane, and what he meant to Edmonton and to Canada, really we were losing our son. It was really an odd time to be uh, to be a hockey fan in Canada. Anyway, at that time. So you know, he just tra- transcended the game, and he was a quiet, spoken guy. And really, just never never really uh, asked for the limelight. It just sort of found him because he was so good. So
1: yeah, and that was kind of the you know the whole start of the oh the Oilers are going to be cursed for how long before they win again because they traded him away and Maddie Obviously, you can relate as being a Red Sox fan. Uh, you weren't around when uh, the babe got traded or sold or whatever it was, but that's kind of what this Gretzky thing was.
0: Well, but the interesting the interesting thing with that though is that Messier won another cup in Edmonton, and Gretzky yeah. didn't. And then Messier won again with the Rangers. So you know, Messier Messi would would have been a, a decent pick as well. because he uh, what a, what a career he had? But yeah. He never I mean he got never got another cup after he left Edmonton so that's uh, I'll that's never forget
2: re- the, a reverse curse Peter Klima that's right scored that big goal with that ugly helmet there and then uh, he was benched for that whole series against the Bruins and then he I guess they had to put him in there was an injury so he came on and he scored a big goal but you know what happened I think for the NHL as a whole it was a it was a good trade because hockey took off in the state of California. And then we saw like, you know, San Jose get a team and then Anaheim after that. And so, I mean, he, I mean, that, I'd say Gretzky's responsible for all of that. And I know it sounds a little crazy. That might be a kind of a broad statement, but really that's the, that was the whole purpose was to bring him to a market that needed marketing. So, you know, uh, the, the, he's responsible for hot weather teams, Florida Panthers, although no one goes to see them, uh, Tampa Bay, they
0: all had, they should all send Gretzky royalties every year. For sure, Peppi. I think you're right. He he helped Americanize the game like that. You know, the San Jose Sharks coming in when when Ottawa did like that. Uh, yeah, Gretzky definitely had a lot to do with that.
1: Yep. I thought the biggest thing to Americanize hockey was the uh, blue light, red light. No. The lasers? Oh, no! <laughs> the the, the, the no, streaks? No, no. The puck streaks? Oh no! 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 no. <laughs> On Fox. <laughs> <laughs> that That came out when i was at colgate and i was dying when i saw that it was americans were like oh i could follow the puck i was just like you guys are idiots
0: well i'm sure there were guys on colgate probably some guys on colgate dipping into some uh, magical stuff and uh, (laughs) seeing all these lasers going around
1: (laughs) i'm glad that didn't last um, okay, so we got a voicemail that I will play right now from, uh, well, here. He introduces himself. Hey, it's Joshua Bryant, civilianization podcast, and uh, the producer of the Comedy Store podcast. My pick simple. I'm going with Gordie Howe. Uh, Martin Brodeur, Nicholas Lindstrom, and Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman was in the heads of everybody. Um, Gordie Howe was hard because you got Gretzky and Lemieux, so great. And then Patrick Waugh was awesome, but I still think Martin Brodeur was better. And Nicholas Lindstrom was a perfect human. And Bobby Orr, it's a good debate. And I'm sure fistfights have happened over the two. All right, that's me. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay quarantined. Six feet, six feet, got to go. <laughs> all right, so hey, so he did gave us the four heads, all from hockey, and it seemed to me it was broken down in kind of a forward, defenseman, goalie, and a coach. Is that right? We got yeah. yeah. Uh, he makes some good points. Uh, you know, I mean, Gordy Howe was obviously on my list in terms of who it could have been. Um, I thought that Gretzky surpassing some of that, and I think that he sort of brought it a bit more into the modern era uh then how but you know obviously it's it's a debatable thing martin brodeur martin brodeur i never even had him on my radar i guess initially but what do you guys think of that like he's top goalie probably ever right
2: you know i'll uh marty brodeur is a name that comes up a lot and is, um he was he could have been good in any era like he he was a stand-up goalie or he could butterfly and he did he you know stack the pads or go down like i've he did it all. And it was so awkward seeing him in a blues Jersey for that one last season, but that his time in New Jersey, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they played a tight defensive system. Yeah. They know they were, they'd stifle you, but I mean, he was awesome.
1: And I mean, you can't argue that,
0: but one, you know, I really loved his Bobby pick, and I thought maybe we'd get some, some guys we, one thing I've noticed is some of the guys, you know, from that era, like who've seen Bobby Orr play, like the the way they talk about him, and I would have loved to have seen Bobby Orr play because if you look at his numbers at the defensive position, I mean it's it's in it's unreal. I mean, there's his plus minus. I think one year he's got a plus minus one year. I was looking at that with my brother and we were laughing. At it. I think it's something like one ninety on the <laughs> oh. plus side. <laughs> you know, for one, one fifty. You know, and that now the league leader has like a plus forty eight or plus fifty two. You know, so he, Bobby Orr, was just uh, he was like a transcendent player as well. You know, whose career was cut short. So I thought maybe we'd see some picks for him, but a lot of the older guys like that that followed that era don't really go online as much. So it's probably has something to do with it as well. Well, and Nick Lidstrom is uh, very underrated.
1: Yeah, that was who I think he ultimately picked, but. Uh, like Mike, your dad has talked about Bobby Orr and Gordy Howe. Like he grew up watching those guys.
3: Well, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 and it, he always talks about how it was a different era, and uh, these guys were light years ahead of everybody else at that time. And and, and uh, Gordy a big thing. Is he could play any way you wanted to play. You wanted to play fast, he could play fast. You want, you know, he could he could deke you. He could shoot hard. He could uh, go in the corners and get the puck. Win those battles like that was his thing. Is that he was the all around uh, sort of player, and he'd he'd take a he'd take a number right. And if if you got the best of him, like like a Jordan type thing, where if you you might have got the best of him at one time, but he was going to make sure he won the, the, the whole battle overall.
2: Check these stats out for Bobby Orr. Uh, he averaged uh, one point three point three nine points per game, and his plus minus for his career was plus five ninety seven. Wow for his entire career. And his, his career only lasted, uh, I think 12 total seasons, but after the ninth season, he only played 47 games and that was, he was only 27 when he, when he really got hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. think about would have played yeah. 35, like amazing. And um, consensus that uh, a few websites I've checked out uh, bleacher report and this one, WolfSports wolf sports.com. They all had uh, Gretzky, Lemieux, or, and Howe as they're all as their Mount Rushmore for like four hockey players. So um, good that you brought up Bobby or Maddie and I first sort of forgot about him really.
0: Yeah, he, he, Well, I mean, he, we didn't see him either, right? Like, so I mean, you just hear the stories about him, you know, and and Gordy Howe too, how tough he was, and how you didn't like to play against him, you know, like how. Yes, how he would. You, you'd feel it after the game. You know, you'd, you'd be black and blue after playing Gordy
1: Howe or he'd knock you out. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. Well, no, it's not definitely. called a Gordy yeah. Howe hat trick for nothing. Yeah, That's exactly. It. All right. Well, that was awesome. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, giving us your voicemail there. And uh, definitely we'll check out uh, his podcast and actually his Facebook group as well. We'll put that uh, on the uh, the show notes. Okay, we're moving awesome. to NFL is the last one we have. Officially, yeah, I'm gonna ask you guys speed rounds, just a couple other ones because I've I went into a few other sports myself, but uh, the NFL, which I find extremely hard to pick because the fact that you know, Maddie, you brought up the hitters and pitchers and how different that is. Football has yeah. even greater um differentiations between positions, and which makes it ultimately harder. But I think that. A lot of the answers might be the same. Anyway, how about uh, Pep? You want to start us with the NFL one? You ready for that? Is it going to be a Steeler? Terry Bradshaw? No, no, Lynn Swann. No, no,
2: (laughs) no, 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 none of the above. All right. Well, I chose. I chose uh, a person who, again, close your eyes. You think NFL? It's a name that's synonymous with football for uh, even up to now. And, you know, through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, this guy has been part of football for all of us. Um, Actually, you know what? Can you guys guess? Frank Gifford? (laughs) Frank Gifford? (laughs) No. Uh, no. But actually, you know what? Frank Gifford has been, uh, you know, up until his his, uh, passing, that would have been a good guess, but no. And Jim Brown? Nope. Oh, that's that's a good guess. Guys, you know what? I and I, I have no reason to not be, but I'm not a big Jim Brown fan. But anyway, that's a, that's another conversation. OJ.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, for, just for all of our safety, we'll just we'll just say yes. We'll just exactly. Yeah, OJ for <laughs> I, was I was about gonna to. I'm going to no, turn I'm off gonna, the hold, recording. That was, that was Brock who made that joke. Oh, that was good. I'm going to go completely off the board and uh, I'm say John Madden. And when I think about John Madden, think about uh, a super bowl winning coach in 1976, could have won a couple more, but he played in an era where the steel curtain was uh, his rivalry. Um, But you know, hall of fame coach never played in the NFL was drafted by the Eagles in 58, but he hurt his knee and his hip and that was it. But he got into coaching almost right away And you think about Madden, the minute his career ended as a coach, he jumped into the booth and he didn't, like, he didn't go, you know, how how ESPN or or all the football channels now, the NFL network, they all have, you know, there's like Daryl Johnson doing one game and Rich Gannon does another game. And you know, the the sort of like former NFL players are doing broadcasting Tara Bradshaw did the same thing for like a lower level uh, feed for the NFL. But Madden went from coaching to like CBS, which was, the that CBS was the the place to be as a commentator, and he was an all star from the minute he got on there. Like he was he was money for years, and then at the then the video game. And you think about football. You think about all the maddenisms and like, I, I don't know. When I close my eyes and think of football, it's not Vince Lombardi. It's John Madden. And it was Madden a better coach than Lombardi? Debatable. I don't know. Different again, slightly different era, but uh, when it comes to football. I mean name me somebody more that had a bigger impact on on football culture for 50 years. You know Madden's 83 now and he's still coming out with the Madden football game. So John Madden's my guy.
1: Hey that's uh that is off the board. Um you know the criteria is is there. He yeah, you say Madden everybody knows football. I think if you say madden to a lot of kids that are playing that i don't think they necessarily know john madden and what he's done in the actual football thing uh, like f- with his football career with coaching and stuff like that i don't know if he if they get that necessarily if the video game transcends and, and uh tra- um, conveys that message properly i know he's there as an the announcer and stuff but um i mean yeah madden is synonymous with football I'd Likeable guy and Madden. Madden I'll tell you, I did the little short, very short story about Madden.
2: In '74, uh, they beat the Miami Dolphins in the semis of uh, the AFC semis. They beat Miami, and after that game, it was the sea of hands catch. I can't. It might have been bullet in the in the end zone. And after the after the game, he goes to the locker room and tells the media, "Well, that was the bet, two best teams playing uh, playing their Super Bowl to playing in the Super Bowl, and they had to play Pittsburgh the following week." So. Chuck Knoll, who's a really, really quiet guy, uh, not a rah-rah guy was very like uh, a very cerebral coach, went into the locker room and uh, the Steelers were just finishing practice and said, you know what? Big man just told the uh, media that they just played the, the Super Bowl. the two best teams just played. And in this room, we're the best team in the NFL. And he left the room and me and Joe green went crazy and the Steelers ended up beating the Raiders on the road. So Madden, that was your one screw up, bud, but I'm going to give you a credit for the other 49 years of your career. So Madden's my guy.
0: Yeah. And what a, what a pairing with summer in the booth. Right. Yeah. All
1: right, Maddie. Who
0: are you? So so I went, you know, kind of like to my baseball where I can't just stick to one because I think it's too different. So I limited it to offense and defense. All right. Um, So for offense, I went with the guy that I saw dominate my bears every single time he played us, um, scored probably 5 million touchdowns against us, and that's Jerry Rice. The guy was just, he was unstoppable. Um, He didn't even look like he had this blazing speed, but kind of like Mario, it just seemed like he was just at another level. It seemed like he was gliding out there. He, He never dropped the ball. He just made the big play all the time, and I had to go with Jerry Rice for offense. And for defense, I went with LT. LT was just, and he was a freak of nature defensively. And uh, he was, he, he brought it, you know, and even, I mean, he was dealing with substance abuse issues and mm-hmm. he was still breaking records and just, you know, winning championships. he was just, uh, so those are my two picks for football.
2: All right. Yeah, uh, one, one thing on LT, uh, he changed how offenses play. Like, you know, he was not only was he a good sack, uh, uh, a good sack master, but he also, he had a ton of interceptions. Like, I think uh, I'd like to see the stats where he sits in terms of all time interceptions by a linebacker, but, and then, you know, you could put him down in a three point stance and he can, he can play the run. Like he changed everything and he wreaked havoc for those poor Eagles and Cowboys and Redskins who had to play against him twice a year. Uh, Lt uh, man,
1: now that you got me thinking, Lt might be that's a tough one. Lt yeah, is, is the reason. Lt's the reason that uh, left tackles in football now are the highest paid linemen, and they get paid handsomely, is because of what Lt did back in his playing days. Is that right? Eh? Oh yeah, makes
2: sense. He was a, yeah. All, all his footage, he's. He's like three steps faster, kind of like uh, young Reggie White, but just Reggie White didn't have interceptions. Reggie White couldn't couldn't play the uh, the pass. Like
0: wow, that's a good call. And don't forget too, LT. I don't know if any of these any of the fans on there. I know Jason Tizik will know this, but in uh, Tecmo Bowl, LT could block pretty much every (laughs) single extra point. So he gets a little uh, he he gets a little bonus point from me there. (laughs) oh
2: yeah yeah he's uh him and bo jackson were just uh Bowl legend
1: yeah bo Bo jackson mike who do you got uh
3: again mine goes back to recognizability along with the uh, play on the field and uh for me it's jerry rice uh the number of uh uh, super bowls and 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 to uh, matt's point like there was a guy that you knew he was coming into your in your building or you were going there to face him and every week he got his receptions and his yards and th- there was no way to shut the guy down uh if it was third down you know it was going to him and he'd make the catch uh he'd get open and 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 be there for it so uh repeatedly like year after year uh, for a, i think a twenty twenty year career twenty one year career uh so yeah he's my pick uh, and again, I know football is a game where you know there's so much there's the 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 quarterbacks and uh the defensive guys and and uh the, the tougher guys and the running backs uh and you know he he doesn't epitomize all that like like encompass all that but uh to me the best that maybe his position uh and so he gets it for that and, and the recognizability factor where if, if he's somewhere you know everybody knows it's jerry rice
2: and you know he played an era where it was Uh, they were tougher on receivers back then. It wasn't like the seventies, but they were still tough on receivers, you know? And uh, he, I mean, his stats are pretty just crazy. There was one year he had 22 touchdowns in 12 games as a receiver. That's, that's insane. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, just before Brock gives us his um, LT, LT comes up on every single poll that i've read in terms of uh, mount rushmore lt and jerry rice are two names that have come up on every poll there are two other names but i won't name them until brock gives us his
1: all right well uh football is a fun one to uh, discuss obviously <laughs> there's people listening that are like how could you not put tom brady on mount rushmore because you cheat because joe montana was better <laughs> it's not all about rings and whatever. Exactly. I am dying, and I've talked about it now that he's a buccaneer. I'm dying for this season to happen so I can see how he plays on a different team and a different system away from Belichick. Belichick and Brady have been split up. Let's see what happens. I'm curious. They're gonna win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe I they're think eight, come they're close. They're 15 to 1. will come close. Yeah, they got a shitty division. They should be able to get out of their division. And then you know it's one or two games, and he's got that playoff experience there to maybe rally the guys around. They're gonna—they're a couple pieces short right now. Again, we're not getting into this right now, but they're a couple pieces short as today. But I think that there's enough people that want to go to Tampa Bay and play, and they'll fill that in. And Brady will have his say on who's coming in, and I think they'll do—they'll do quite well. Um, anyway, I'm not picking Brady. Um, but I, you know, I had a bunch of people on there. Brady, you know, Montana was there. Manning, a lot of quarterbacks. Um, you know, you guys have Jerry Rice for receivers. I had Fitzgerald was a guy that I thought would, um, fall into that category. Obviously Walter Payton, LT's on my list, Jim Brown. Ultimately I chose two. Um, and that's because I'm a fat dude and O-linemen need to get respect too. But my first pick is, is Brett Favre for the uh, uh, from the quarterback position? I thought that you know, yeah, he's got two Super Bowls versus whatever Brady has six, and Montana's got five. There's more rings out there. I just thought that Favre brought this um, excitement to the game that I really noticed. And I watched football my whole life, but I really noticed when Favre came in the league and started. For the Packers, um, the excitement level kind of jumped a couple notches when he was on on the field, and you know, O line are, are very important. The receivers are important. Jerry Rice is a, is a phenomenal player, but Jerry Rice doesn't have Jerry Rice numbers if the quarterback doesn't get on the ball, if the O line doesn't block. Favre made things happen to get his receiver those balls um, that I just hadn't really seen before that with that arm strength. You've seen, you know, Randall Cunningham, those kind of guys scramble and Cunningham's got a pretty good arm, but there was something, there was a pop about Favre's arm that was appealing and his, you know, his charismatic demeanor and his uh constant smiling on the field uh was something that I was craving at that point because I had gone from seeing guys like Marino and it seemed like he was had a scowl on his face every single time he threw the ball and if a receiver Dropped it or something like that, he'd give him that stink eye, which made me dislike him quite a bit. Um, but far for me was right up there. The other guy I'm going to say is because he's an offensive lineman, and offensive linemen are the reason quarterbacks are successful. And Anthony Munoz would be for me um, oh, right pick. there uh, for uh, the, the, the Mount Rushmore for sports. But he was, he epitomized, you know, the left tackle position. And that guy did things that, um, you know, it was way before his time and uh, his feet were so smooth. Anyway, I had a pleasure of meeting him, actually, at one of the, the uh, cool clinic coaches of offensive linemen down in Cincinnati. One time he came and spoke and got a chance to uh, to meet him briefly. Uh, but uh, he was right up there for me.
0: Yeah, that's a great pick, bro. Yeah.
1: But I like, have uh, to correct
0: you. I have to correct you, Brock. Um, Favre only had one Super Bowl. Did he? Yeah, he, he went. He team? lost. He lost to Elway. Lost Elway, and then there were—I think there were thirteen and a half point favorite, which was one of the biggest ever at that time. And Terrell Davis got the MVP, but that was—he—he uh, he won the one with Reggie White, and then came mm-hmm. close again with Minnesota. But uh, yeah, they went to back to back. Yeah, he, lost in 90,
1: 98. Oh,
2: he was involved yeah. in a lot of conference championships, but he he. Uh, they lost to Denver, and you know when you were Brock, when you were mentioning the the, the scramble ability and the uh, you know the the arm strength and the, the way they help your receivers, you were kind of reminded me of Elway. Maybe not Elway, maybe wasn't as charismatic, but you know uh, nimble and can scramble and had a cannon for an arm and got his guys open. Maybe not so much towards the end of his career because they ran the ball a whole ton, but you know in an era in the '80s and early '90s where you ran the ball more than you passed, Elway was kind of a freak.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's true. Uh, Elway also, um, you know, had his fit during the whole draft and didn't want to play certain places and, and played those cards, which you know doesn't kick off your thing, your career very well. And then he also ended up in management with Denver, who uh, didn't give Tebow a chance. So really, Elway came really far down my list of people that I put on that, onto that <laughs> for a variety of reasons. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, you know what, Um, there are two other names, Uh, let me just pull this up again here, on these sort of, again, these are unofficial lists, but um, there are two other names that were not mentioned, let me just pull
3: this up again, I like that Pep said they're unofficial, (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, every, everything's unofficial. Uh, so we,
3: they're, we, they're not. You mean they're not constructing this this Mount Rushmore? <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are not. Uh, Lawrence Taylor and Jerry Rice. We've already discussed the, the, those two guys are on every list. Um, we we didn't pick this guy, but he's also on the list. And then there's a fourth guy. So can you guys guess the two guys that are that are missing from this list?
1: Wow. Uh, Jim Johnny Brown. Unitas? Ooh, Johnny Unitas. Oh, Johnny Unitas. Nope. It's not Jim Brown. Nope, that's not Brady. Walter Payton. Payton. Yeah, Brady's one of them.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, Brady's has, sure. has to be right. He's got twenty first season and nine Super Bowl appearances. Six. I mean, system or not, coach or not. I mean, that's pretty pretty incredible. And really, there were there were seasons aside from Moss where he had nobody to throw to. Uh, they had really a talent on them.
0: What about Emmett Smith? Uh,
2: He's not on any list I've read. Uh, it'd be hard to argue against the all time leading rusher. But and, you know, yeah. I, running running behind that line, maybe to, that would that factor in. I I don't know. That's a, that would be a good pick. But Vince um, Lombardi, no. It's it's all within this. this all. I guess this era. The same era as Favre. Same era as uh, Elway. He's a defensive guy. Uh,
1: Dion Ray Lewis. Pardon? Ray Lewis. Nope, Deion Sanders. No, nope. Ah. Who the hell's defense? Well, uh, great,
2: probably the greatest at all time at his position.
1: We already hmm. talked about LT. Yeah. Why don't you just tell us who it is? Reggie White. Oh yeah, wow.
2: yeah. Wow. Reggie White had a hundred had 198 career sacks. He was only two behind the all-time sack leader at a position where, you know, especially towards the end of his career, they wanted him to, to play the run too. Um, do you guys know who the sack leader is? All-time sack leader? The Deacon Jones? No. Huh? Nope. It's all-time sack leader uh for like just overall all-time sacks. Uh, we know Michael Strahan has the season, the single season record, but who has the most sacks all time? Mm-hmm.
0: Really making us think, tough. yeah. Yeah, um, well, there's so I mean, many great
2: players over the years, but did this guy four Super Bowls? For uh, uh, Charles I, Haley I played in four Super Bowls. No, Charles Haley would be a very good guest, though. Bruce, Smith. Yeah. Bruce Smith. Uh, yeah. Oh, Bruce yeah, Smith? I'm free very
3: puzzles, player. Yeah, he's very right, yeah
2: so there you have it, guys. Uh, uh, wow, some great names off the board. Um, this was this was awesome.
1: All right, real quick. I'm just going to it's rapid fire. Pep's got Pep. Pep's got some rapid fire qu- I do it all like, the time.
3: Hey, can I say? Yes. Like, that's the 50th time you've said Pep.
1: <laughs> I go to start but, saying Pierre to, and then a I stop anniversary. it. What am I Russian? <laughs> and now yep. yep. And now yep. Um, all, right, you you <laughs> all right. This has gone on way too long. Pierre has rapid-fire ones for Matty, I believe, after. Um, I do. Just for the record, if I was making Mount Rushmore and it was just on personal opinion, I would have Charles Barkley, Deion Sanders, Ken Griffey Jr., and Doug Gilmore on my Mount Rushmore.
2: Doug Um, Gilmore,
1: that's a good call. If you had to do, uh, quickly, uh, Matt, PGA, who would be, is it Straight Tiger?
3: Uh, I would go Jack Nicklaus. All right. Yeah. Mike? Golden Bear. Mike what? Who's my golf pick
1: yeah who would be your golf pick uh freddy couples i don't know <laughs> who's the guy that wore all pick. the nfl gear he passed away in the plane
3: oh anyway. yeah, he used to wear the the two the, the long socks and the. the high yeah, socks. yeah
1: it was all uh uh anyway Payne stewart Paint yes pain yeah Payne stewart, pain stewart. Yeah. he died in the plane crash yeah yeah, yeah. He was my favorite one to watch, but I think Tiger is a, a no-brainer. And then for some reason, again, I was starting to think of what I used to watch when I was growing up, and I used to watch tennis, and the reason I watched tennis was Agassi, and that would be my choice for, uh, for the Mount Rushmore tennis for some reason.
0: Me too, Brock. I loved him. He was my favorite, so I would, I would go the same.
2: John McEnroe would be my guy, and
0: Tiger Woods,
2: but a close second would be Vijay Singh. Really? Oh, VJ was, VJ has that super long putter.
1: <laughs> you know who would be on my thing is the guy who, uh, uh, whatever. He's on the, on the tour now. He, he got a hole in one and he celebrated and his ankle dislocated. And then the sucker popped it back in place on the on the, the fairway. He kept going right up there. Boom. That's amazing. Uh, finale or something. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, let's take a break. Pep, you got your, uh, speed round questions for these guys. Ready to go? We'll be right back. To do. One, two, three, four, five, six, two, eight.
2: And we are back to wrap up this 50th episode of the uh, Unsportsmanlike Congo, the UC. You can follow us on Instagram and uh, join our Facebook page if you like. A lot of good stuff, a lot of great uh, entries by people who follow us. People will sometimes create polls, questions that'll make you think, but speaking of questions that'll make you think Bro- uh, Brock, Matt, I've got, I didn't, I don't have these numbered, but there's about 17 questions here that I'm going to ask you. And, uh, the idea is for it to be, um, sort of rapid fire right off the top of your head. But if you have to stop and, and elaborate on something, feel free to go ahead. We'll try to keep this under two minutes. Okay. I'm going to just trail off some questions and off the top of your head, you got to give me an answer. Is that cool? That's good. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, favorite athlete of all time.
0: Big poppy, David Ortiz. Favorite sports moment. 2004 Red Sox. When they beat the New York Yankees game four Ortiz home run and game five Ortiz with the base hit to win the game. So back to back nights. Is that the one
2: where they were down. 0-3 in the series. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, my God.
2: Most heartbreaking moment?
0: Uh, losing to the L.A. Lakers in 2010 in Game 7 after lead, winning by 14 going into the end of the third quarter. That was a tough one to take. I still haven't gotten over it. Oof, that was a tough one, eh? And also Aaron um, Boone home run in 2003, sorry. Uh which one do you have to choose if you had to choose one? I'll say the Aaron Boone one because I punched a hole in my wall and I broke a knuckle, so I'll have this. I'd have to change my answer to that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we know you love the Celtic, Sox, Habs, and Bears,
0: but who's your favorite team? If I had to pick just one, I'll go slight edge to the Red Sox. Red Sox, okay. Do you watch CFL? Occasionally. Who's your favorite team? Red, the uh, the Ottawa Rough Riders are my favorite team, but I root for the Red Blacks now. Awesome. Very good. Favorite sport to play?
2: Basketball. Best moment in high school or college sports?
0: Uh, best like moment would have, to, uh, would have to, for me, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it would be the 91 Provincials. It'd be a tie, 91 Provincials with you guys and the 93 the best moment would be probably beating Philemon, Sorry, Brock. Um, uh, to win because we were we lost to them all year, so that'd be my best, my favorite moment because it was a team thing and we overcame a lot to do it and with a lot of good coaching and a lot of hard work. So that was that was my favorite moment.
2: That that's mine too. Um, Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant?
0: Michael Jordan. But the I Jordan don't love, Sorry. Go ahead. Nope.
2: Nope. Michael I just Jordan.
0: I love the, the way Kobe changed himself, you know, cause I was not a Kobe fan at all. So I really respected how he had, uh, he kind of, he involved his teammates more and he became a better person. You know, he got himself involved with girls basketball and he was really, um, pushing the WNBA and, you know, was a big ambassador. So I hope that someone else will, will pick that up for him because I think it's important for girls sports. Anyways, that's, no, I, I echo those sentiments. I mean, Brock and I
2: talked about when Kobe passed away. Those are a lot of the things that I, both he and I agreed on of uh, Kobe's impact on the uh, on the community. But uh, anyway, LeBron James or Magic Johnson? Magic Johnson. Larry Bird or John Havlicek? Larry Bird. Bill Russell or Robert Parrish? Bill Russell. Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers or Mike Singletary and Walter Payton? Mike Singletary and Walter Payton. Big Poppy or Wade Boggs? Big Poppy. Clemens or Shilling? Shilling. Shilling, eh? big game. Yeah, eh, he could won games. big games. Uh, Patrick Wire or Ken Dryden.
0: Saint Patrick. Robinson or Bellevue? Mm, I gotta go with uh, the Big Bird because I saw him. Big Bird, it's uh, my favorite player. And lastly, Lafleur or
2: Richard Maurice give me that demon (laughs) and ring it up we that's the end of our rapid fire round
0: awesome thanks boys oh there's Uh,
1: (laughs) there's I had it down falling asleep over here no I'm kidding that was uh, I was actually I had to research a couple of those names I'm like who you had Larry Bird and Larry Bird or who John Havlicek yeah I you lost me on that one. I was like, oh. I mean,
2: Adlicek check was uh, that that oh, triple yeah. overtime game against the Suns. You ever see that game, Maddie? They
0: played it on ESPN Classic. It's, yeah, come. it's probably it's it's a, one of the craziest games uh, like ever. Like just watching it now, even it's it's unbelievable. Like I mean, the the amount of comebacks, how many times the one team would take the lead, the other team would come back. Yeah, it's it's almost like that football game, Pep. Who was it? The uh, was it Miami and San Diego? The game that would never end. Oh yeah, the the uh, where
2: jeez, uh, uh, it was Kellen Winslow. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. That's a very. That's a good comparison, actually. But uh, I, I watched that game with Gar Heard. It's that that uh, jump shot to take it into a third overtime, and just uh, the Celtics ended up winning that game. If I'm not mistaken, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So n- next uh, next show, Mike, I'm gonna cater to these. Uh, I'm I'll probably asking a lot of the similar questions to start, but. Um, The uh, who versus who will be Blue Jays related. So um, you might want to start thinking about your favorite Blue Jays of all time. And uh, and,
1: and maybe
0: just baseball in general, actually. I thought I was going to get a Don Don Corleone or Tony Soprano question in there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll save that for the next one.
0: Now
2: that you bring it up. uh, Oh, I don't know, man. Now that you bring it up, I'll just ask that one last question. Don Corleone or Tony Soprano? I got to go,
1: Tony. Oh whoa all right on that note we are going to end this episode maddie thank you so much for being here mike thank you so much for being here you guys contribute that's awesome we love the discussion thanks for having us guys guys always a pleasure be safe out there stay healthy do your self isolation self-distancing physical distancing whatever you got to do just stay away from people let's get through this covid pandemic and uh, we're going to start compiling our entries for next episode where we talk about either the greatest sporting moments, so that, and then also records that will never be broken, and we'll discuss those, and we'll figure out which ones are the, worst, are the best moments and which ones are the records that will never be broken. We're going up to Tragically Hip, Courage. This was on Shea 106 today, and they wanted everybody in Canada singing outside their windows. I don't know if you guys did, uh, but I put my head out, and I didn't hear anything. But we're going out to this now, so take your time, sing about it,